All right, so Pastor Brian was super excited to be here. Uh, he'd been gone a couple weeks. He was back last week, and he was super excited to be back. Uh, and then he found out on Tuesday that he has COVID. Um, yes, it's still around. And so he's quarantining right now. He's at home. He's away in his room, locked up, even from his own family. Um, but uh, he wanted me to apologize on his behalf. I told him he doesn't need to apologize. He got sick. Um, but he wanted me to apologize. But he also wanted me to tell how thankful he was that we could have Chris come in last minute. Um, if you guys were here a couple weeks ago, Chris was here, and he's been here a bunch. Um, and so very last minute, Chris got the call. Hey, can you be here? And so we want to thank you, Chris, for being here. Um, and so uh, without further ado, Chris Wilson. I'm back. No, <laughs> sorry about that. <laughs> yeah, so basically what happened was uh, Wednesday night, I'm at my son's soccer practice, and uh, Brian shoots me a text, and he's like, hey, man, I got COVID. I'm like, dirty high school students from camp. Like, it's okay, I, I work with high school students, so I can say that. But um, as you have, and, and hopefully continue, we'll pr be praying for a quick recovery for Brian, but since I'm a teacher and we haven't reported back to work yet, and I'm basically unemployed at this point, uh, I have the opportunity to jump in and, and, and serve again this morning. And so, like, like sincerely, like, no, all joking aside, thank you guys so much for your warm welcome and always being so uh, generous towards me and my family when we're here. It's, I, I don't take this opportunity for granted, so, so sincerely, um, I thank you. Um, as uh, Zach was saying, the original plan was for Brian to preach this morning, starting in Matthew chapter 4, verse 23, and then the following verses. And when Brian texted me, I told him I would do the same. And so if you have your Bible, go ahead and open up to Matthew chapter 4, we'll be in verse 23 and following. But as I was prepping for this message, as I was like kind of reading the verses, praying about um, what to share, how to share, asking God for guidance and wisdom related to the text, I had this, I, I don't know, I, the, the word I used with, with Brian was just this conviction that simply to exegete the passage wasn't all that God was asking us to do this morning. Exegete is just a fancy Bible nerd term that means like taking the text and, and the main things that are that are presented within the text and then kind of pulling out of it what it is the original authors were trying to say to the original audience. And, and, and I normally do that. That's what I hope you've come to become, you've become familiar with whenever you see me standing up here. But I feel like God was calling us to do something a little bit more, which if I'm being completely transparent with you guys, that makes me really, really uncomfortable. You see, first of all, um, you know, like I said, taking a passage, walking through it, looking at the concepts of what's been written and, and doing my best to present those in a way that makes sense to us and can be easily applied to our context today. Like that's, that's my wheelhouse. Like that's my bread and butter. It's what I'm comfortable with. It's what I've, you know, done in the past. And so logic tells me, hey, just, just simply do what has like worked before, right? And so I, I, I still wanna do that in part this morning. But I think that faithfulness actually looks a little different than just preaching a sermon without asking you guys to actually do something um, in this room or at home this morning. Um, but beyond that, the other reason why this is super un uncomfortable for me is because reality is I'm, I'm just a guest speaker. Um, my role in this church and this morning isn't for me to come in here and like rock the boat or whatever. Okay, that's, that's not what I've been asked to do. And so after this service, if, if, if you're not stoked about what has taken place, like by all means, you are more than welcome to have like a little mean girls moment and be like, he doesn't even go here. Like that's true, okay? 
I don't. But the, and that would be entirely understandable, but, but my hope for this morning is that all of us will be open to doing something slightly different than what most of us have come to expect from a typical church service, um, even if it's a, a little uncomfortable for us, again, myself included here. You see, more than anything, my hope for us today is that we walk out of here having not only looked at a passage about Jesus, but actually having taken steps towards more closely following him. See, just like last week, Peter or James called Peter and um, Andrew and James and John, Jesus calls them to follow him. And Jesus is calling us to do the same, to, to actually follow him. And just like last week, as these disciples were, were, were asked, required to leave their comfort zone, leave behind the lives they knew as, as fishermen, drop their nets in order to follow Jesus, as uncomfortable and maybe even awkward and, and scary as that might have been. Like I think later this morning, like as I ask you to do something, it's gonna require some of us to leave our comfort zones, but it's for the sake of pursuing Jesus as well. And so if you've got a Bible, go ahead and open up, if you haven't already, to Matthew chapter four. I'm gonna read verses 23 through 26. And he went throughout all Galilee, teaching in their synagogues and proclaiming the gospel of the kingdom and healing every disease and affliction among the people. So his fame spread throughout all Syria and they brought him all the sick, those uh, afflicted with various diseases and pains, those oppressed by demons, those having seizures and paralytics, and he healed them. And great crowds followed him from Galilee and the Decapolis and from Jerusalem and Judea and from beyond the Jordan. And so here's Jesus. And so far, just like again, like last week, he's got at least four disciples in tow and he's doing three things according to the first verse, right? He's teaching in the local synagogues, proclaiming the gospel of the kingdom and healing every disease and affliction among the people. So we read this. It's like, all right, cool. Pretty straightforward, pretty basic. Like that's, that's kind of what we've come to expect from Jesus. And so, you know, not a whole lot to unpack here, right? In fact, one commentary on this passage, I, I'm not making this up, on this passage, a commentary says, and I quote, or calls it, and I quote, a colorless general statement serving as a mere prelude to chapters five through nine. I read that and I'm like, sweet. <laughs> awesome, like seems like the kind of passage where if a pastor was gonna speak on it, might wanna, I don't know, like get COVID that week. Right? Um, but similar to what I was saying just two weeks ago, like there's, there's more. Like there's more to every passage. There's more to that passage. There's more to this passage than just geographical information about where people were coming from or a summary statement about what Jesus was up to. You see, I'm convinced that as followers of Jesus, we're not only supposed to like take the things that Jesus said, like take his teachings and apply them to our lives, but we should also see the things that he did. And as followers of Jesus, we should think, okay, like if I'm gonna follow Jesus, if that's what Jesus did, then that's what I'm gonna do as well. Sometimes I get into these conversations with my students about what it practically looks like to follow Jesus. And I, and I do my best to just make it as simple as I can. And so if we're in a classroom, I'll have one of them stand up and I'm gonna say, hey, follow me. I don't need to give them instructions beyond that. Just like Jesus says, hey, follow me. I can say the same thing to my students and they're gonna follow me, right? When I go left, they're gonna go left. 
If I start going faster, they're gonna go faster. If I stop, hopefully they stop. A lot of them are bigger than me. So hopefully they stop, but they're gonna do whatever I do, right? They're not just gonna listen to what I say, watch me do it, write it down and acknowledge it. They're gonna do the things that I do if they're genuinely following me. And, that, and it seems so basic, right? Because it is. But for whatever reason, we just love to complicate things when it comes to following Jesus. And, I know, and, 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 and hear me out here, like I know it's an oversimplification to equate following the, the, the teachings and practices of the God of the universe, like and, 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 and funneling it down to simply like Simon says, you know, Jesus says, like, I, I, I get that. But sometimes I think that we, we, we take the, the phrase following Jesus to mean knowing what Jesus has done without actually expecting that following him will mean doing the same things ourselves. Or we think that, that, be, that being a Christian means to strive towards having like the character or maybe having the demeanor of Jesus, but to actually do what Jesus did? Like that's absurd, isn't it? And yet Jesus himself in John 14, verse 12, he says, truly, truly, I say to you, whoever believes in me will also do the works that I do. And then he goes on and says, and even greater works than these will he do because I'm going to the Father. Whoever believes in me will also do the works that I do. And so the expectation of doing the things Jesus did isn't crazy. And it's, and it's not just something that's reserved for like the spiritually elite. Like all of a sudden you put on a, like a little J-Lo mic and you can do what Jesus did, but for everybody else, oh, like, you know, sucks to suck. Like that's not it. Like this is, this is the life, Jesus' own words, this is the life that Jesus calls whoever believes in him to. Now I'm not arguing that we have to take like every single passage where Jesus does anything at all super literally. Like we have to do every single thing Jesus did exactly the way he did it. Like the verse opens up and he went all throughout Galilee. Well, I guess I'm going to Galilee. Like that's not what I'm trying to say. But honestly, I don't think there's a single person in here this morning that's really in danger of doing that. Instead, I think the far more real danger for you and for me is that we just sit back we acknowledge what Jesus did, but then we just think, you know what? There's no way I could possibly do that at all. It's just not reasonable. How can, how can that possibly be the expectation that I would do what Jesus did? And, and, and I get it. On one hand, God, Jesus was both fully God and fully man, and we are fully not, right? And so the wisdom and the power that Jesus had, we in and of ourselves at least don't. But on the other hand, Jesus has felt, filled every believer with the Holy Spirit. You believe that, right? Jesus has filled every single believer with his Holy Spirit, which empowers us to be ambassadors of God's eternal kingdom, both in our words, but also in our deeds. God wants to use us. He wants to work through us. He wants to work through you. He wants to work through me in order to see lives changed, families restored, the broken healed, the world renewed. And all of this comes about not just by knowing that Jesus did things towards that end a long time ago, but in actually walking in obedience with him both here and now. 
In John 20, verse 21, Jesus told his disciples, as the Father has sent me, even so I am sending you. Which means that for the same purposes that God the Father sent Jesus to earth for, now Jesus commissions us as his disciples to do the same thing. That is what it means to genuinely follow Jesus. And so biblical knowledge is great. Okay, biblical knowledge is an amazing starting point, but it's not intended to be our finish line. Francis Chan, he gives this analogy where he relates following Jesus to his daughter cleaning his room. Have you heard it before? He, uh, he basically talks about how he can tell his daughter, like, hey, go, go clean your room. And when he does that, when he says that, he expects her to go clean her room. Not crazy, right? But then he talks about how ridiculous it would be if after a few hours his daughter came back to him all excited, like, dad, 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 guess what? I, uh, I heard what you said. And I've actually put it to memory. I memorized what you said. You said, go clean your room. Okay? Okay? And, and, and this is going to blow your mind. You ready? I can say, go clean your room in Greek. Right? Right? And, and, and sit down for this one. Okay? My friends and I, we're going to get together and we're going to have a discussion. We're going to talk about what it would look like if all of us were to go clean our room. You know how mad I'd be if my son came back to me and was like, hey, dad, like, right? That, that'd be crazy. <laughs> it would not be wise for him to do that. And yet, if we're honest, isn't that what we do? Jesus says, go make disciples. Well, in the Greek, you know, like, let's, let's talk about what it would look like for us to make disciples. That's, that's not what he's asked for teaching them to obey all that I've commanded you. Well, if I was gonna teach, I think I would, no. It's about obedience. It's about faithfully being who God has called us to be and doing what God has called us to do. And so if we see in this passage that Jesus taught, proclaimed the kingdom, and sought to heal people from their diseases and afflictions, and we genuinely believe Jesus when he says, whoever believes in me will also do the work that I do, man, then shouldn't, shouldn't we have this like, like eager anticipation to take part in the works of God that we see Jesus and his followers taking part in throughout the entirety of the New Testament? Teaching, proclaiming, healing in all sorts of ways and, and seeing God glorified, Jesus made famous as a result of our faith-filled obedience to be who we've been redeemed to be and doing what we've been called to do all along. Like, this is the aim. This is the goal, the, the motivation behind all of this for the glory of God and the fame of Jesus, both locally here in our own communities and to the nations, to the, to the ends of the earth. Okay, this is our, our, our call, our mandate, our commission. Like, this isn't about God doing something great in us and through us so that people will come to us. That's not what it's about. This is about God working mightily through us as conduits of his grace for the sake of his name being made great among all nations. You see, it says, as Jesus went throughout the region and did these things, that his fame spread throughout all Syria and they brought him all the sick. Like they, they, they were so, or he was so known for doing these things that they started coming to him. There was something so attractive about Jesus' teaching, proclamation, and healing ministry that they began flocking to him, people from other, other areas, other regions, and even beyond the Jordan, like other countries fleeing to, or, or fleeing, like running to him for this. 
like healing taking place, like people coming to a knowledge of who God is and what he has done and what he's currently doing. Like, like I don't know about you guys, but I long, like I, 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 I long to see a movement of God in our lifetimes. Like I wanna see the stuff that we read about in these verses taking place in our churches. Brian said just last week something to the effect that he wants to see God do such amazing things within this community that the book of Acts begins to look tame. But how is this actually gonna happen? It's not gonna come about through simply, you know, reading some verses, knowing what they mean, and then being content to never jump in and actually do what we are called to do or being who we're called to be. It'll only come about through faithful, likely uncomfortable obedience to the teachings and practices of Jesus. If you were here a couple weeks ago, you probably saw my two boys running around. Actually, my, my younger son, this will make sense in a minute, my younger son kicked a ball on purpose into that hoop and it like blew half of our minds it was after the service. Not during the service, that would have been, he would have been in trouble for that. But um, I, have a, I have a nine-year-old and I have a seven-year-old and we have this ongoing uh, situation, I'll call it with them, where uh, the older one, my nine-year-old, he wants to be really good at soccer. And my seven-year-old is really good at soccer. Um, and, and sure, like the younger one, he's, a, he's more coordinated. Um, he's, you know, my, my younger son, or maybe my older son, kind of like when he tries to do sports, looks like a like baby giraffe and stuff sometimes. Um, I love him. He's good at, he's an amazing person and good at a lot of other things, but he wants to be really good at soccer while his younger brother is really good at soccer. And um, so even though the younger one has just like a natural, natural athleticism going for him, um, beyond that, you know what the major difference tends to be for them with these types of things? My older son just sits back to watch soccer, but by doing that, he just kind of hopes to one day be better. But my younger son, like he works, and he, and he works hard to actually get better. There's a difference. The older one will practice every so often, and he does, he does fine when he practices, but the younger one practices almost daily. And he's, and he's literally, actually, he's pretty disgusting, but he's literally dripping with like seven-year-old sweat once he's finished. Like when he goes, he goes for it, right? So what I've, what I've seen, the difference in the development of their soccer skills really boils down to a matter of intentionality and a willingness to do what it takes in order to grow. The same could be said about us when it comes to the deepening of our faith and a movement of God in our midst. Pastor John Tyson frequently says that God comes where he is wanted. God comes where he is wanted. So how badly do we want God? Are we willing to be intentional about doing the hard, uncomfortable things that God calls us to? That's a legitimate question. That's a question I need to ask myself. Am I willing to do the hard, uncomfortable things that God is calling me to do? And are you? Are we willing to stretch ourselves in order to faithfully, again, be who we've been called to be? Look, I can't, I can't promise that if we pray and give and share and, and pursue God with, with every ounce of our being that we'll see him move in such a way that begins to make the book of Acts look tame. I can't, I can't promise that. But what I can fully guarantee is that if we don't, he won't. 
And look, the outcome of, our, our, of, of prayer isn't our responsibility, but it is our responsibility to pray. And so for the rest of our time that we have together this morning, that's what I'd, I'd like for us to do. Okay, let's pursue God together in prayer. And, and I want us to use this passage as our guide. In just a few moments, uh, Matt, actually, if you want to come back up, he's going to come up and, and, and play, play some, uh, some keys for us. The video team is going to put some prompts on the screen. And I just want us to spend some extended time together praying for and with each other. And you can pray with your family. You can pray with your friends. You can pray with some strangers. Uh, you can pray by yourself if, if that's what you're comfortable with. But let me just encourage you. There's something unique about praying with other people. In Matthew 18, Jesus says, again, I say to you, if, if two of you agree on earth about anything they ask, it will be done for them by my Father in heaven. For where two or three are gathered in my name, there I am among them. And so this isn't to say that God isn't present with us at all times, in all places, but I think there's something to be said about praying together where God's presence is in our midst in a way that it isn't when we're simply praying by ourselves. And so let's, let's take the things that Jesus did and pray for the ability to faithfully follow him by doing the same in hopes of seeing him made famous in our communities, in our country, and in our world. There's gonna be four different areas I want us to cover. First one is that Jesus simply taught and in, in the last verses of Matthew 28, he tells us to do the same. And so let's pray for boldness and for wisdom to teach our kids, to teach our neighbors and our coworkers and whoever else God places in our lives about who he is and what he has done. Second, Jesus proclaimed the good news of his kingdom. And just like he did with the original disciples in Luke 9, now he sends us out to proclaim the kingdom of God. And so let's pray for the courage to rightly bear witness to the reality of God's rule and reign, both in what we say, but also in how we live. Let's pray for guidance to live lives that are, that are so against the grain of our culture that people can't help but question why it is we live, the, live lives the way that we do. That our peace would be, peace in the midst of chaos would, would point to the reality that our hope is in a kingdom that is yet to come. That our generosity would be evidence of the fact that, that our, our, our hearts, our desires, our hope, our identity is not, not consumed by the things of this world. That our willingness to, to sacrifice and our posture of service would reflect the king that we worship who came not to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. Third, Jesus healed. And the New Testament makes it explicitly clear that we're to pray towards the end of seeing healing come to those who are in need of healing. In James 3, verses six, or, or James 5, verses 13 through 16, it says, if any, is anyone among you suffering? Let him pray. Is anyone cheerful? Let him sing praise. Is anyone among you sick? Let him call for the elders of the church and let them pray over him, anointing him with oil in the name of the Lord. And the prayer of faith will save the one who is sick, and the Lord will raise him up. And if he has committed sins, he will be forgiven. Therefore, confess your sins to one another and pray for one another that you may be healed. And so let's, let's pray. Let's pray for the healing of people in our church and in our lives, for, for physical healing, for emotional healing, for relational healing. And then finally, in Matthew chapter 4, it tells us that as Jesus did these things, his fame began to spread far and wide. We live now in a world during a time where the fame of Jesus, geographically speaking, has spread from one end of the globe to the other. 
And yet at the same time, we live in this world at a time where there are still 3.2, an estimated 3.2 billion people, about 40% of the world's population, who is yet to so much as hear the name of Jesus. And so Habakkuk 2 verse 14 tells us that the, the earth will be filled with the knowledge of the glory of the Lord as the waters cover the seas. Revelation 7 verses 9 and 10 says that the day is coming when a great multitude that no one can number from every nation, from all tribes and peoples and languages will stand before the throne and before the Lamb clothed in white robes with palm branches in their hands. And they're going to cry out with a loud voice, salvation belongs to our God who sits on the throne and to the Lamb. Church, hear me, we have no reason to doubt whether or not these truths will come to pass. People from all over the earth, every nation, every tribe, every people, every language will one day worship our King. But that future reality is not our current one. There's still work to be done. There's still good news to be spread. And so let's pray that God would bring this about. And as we do, let's lay our lives down. Like let's put everything we have on the table and pray that God would use us as he brings this about. In Matthew 4, Jesus was made famous through his teaching, his proclamation, and his works. And now Jesus invites us into the greatest story that's ever been told. He asked us to spend our lives for the sake of making him famous through our teachings, through our proclamation, and through our works. And so as we pray, let's pray towards the end that God would empower us to faithfully follow him and that people would see our good works and glorify our Father who is in heaven. Matt's going to play in the background. The prompts are going to come up on the screen one at a time. And so let's get together, let's move around if necessary. The chairs are gonna get picked up in like 10 minutes anyway. So feel free to move the chairs if you wanna make circles, whatever you wanna do. Um, but let's, let's get together and, let, and let's pray. Okay, once we're finished, I think the band's gonna lead us in one more song and we'll be dismissed. And, we're, and as we leave here, my hope is that we leave here not just knowing more about what Jesus did, but we'll leave here to go out and to walk in the good works that have been prepared for us to walk in since long before we came into church this morning. Amen? Amen. So go ahead, move around, do what you need to do um, to, to pray with somebody. Prompts are gonna be on the screen. And again, just really grateful to be here with you guys this morning.